My dad has 500 officers looking for you. Seems a bit excessive. Do you think what happened to you, Peter, was an accident? Someday you'll understand. You're part of a bigger plan. I gotta stop him. The Amazing Spider-Man. You want to play football? Too dangerous. Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Trex Inside 5, podcast 392 for... It is July... July. <laughs> July the 8th, 2012. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at a classic TOS episode, Requiem for Methuselah. And the funny thing about that episode is when I was younger and first watching Star Trek reruns and things, I could never say that st- the stupid name of that episode was Requiem or Methesala or, or how did, how did you know, it was just something about that title that I always had trouble with when I was watching that show when I was pretty young. So not that I usually ran up to people and said, hey, did you see Requiem for Methuselah last night, uh, that Star Trek episode? Because people didn't talk about Star Trek back then. <laughs> Not like they do now all over the internet and other places. So uh, welcome to the show or to the early part of the show. That will be the main topic for today. I've got some clips to play and uh, and other things to talk about, uh, including a, a new PC that I built this past week. And also, of course, the amazing Spider-Man, which I saw on opening day uh, just just this past Tuesday, gosh, it was only five or so days ago. And I'm going to give just a brief spoiler-free kind of review. I know there's probably still many people that haven't seen this movie yet, but uh, I really loved it. And that's uh, all I'll say for now. I'll say a little bit more here upcoming on the show. And, uh, well, welcome, everyone. Sit back and uh, let's do it. Welcome to the podcast, Treks and Sci-Fi. Your weekly dose of geeky goodness. With Rico Dusty, not special guests. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise, Enterprise, Enterprise. It's continuing mission. Okay, for your uh, regularly scheduled uh, Michigan weather report, uh, oh, oh, first, before I get into that, I want to, uh, I try to do this each time uh, after we do a guest spot, which is, I guess, every time I do a podcast these days, there's usually a guest spot before uh, the episode or, you know, the previous podcast is a guest show. Last week, you had Chris and Rick Moyer do that excellent podcast on the classic sci-fi film from uh, the mid-80s, right? 80. Five-ish, I think. Yeah, uh, Enemy Mine. Uh, they did a great job. Uh, they seem to uh, work well together, and uh, I hope they come back again real soon and do another, uh, you know, a TV show or a movie or whatever they feel like talking about. They're always welcome back. So uh, 
We've got a pretty full schedule right now for July. I'll talk about that towards the end of today's show, give you guys an update. But August, there's uh, some guest spots opened. Uh, I've got an early uh, one in, in August with from a new new team uh, doing a show. I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, but anyway, uh, just uh, always open for guest people to come aboard and uh, do shows for Treks and Sci-Fi about whatever topic you might like to talk about. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's fun. I've enjoyed it a lot this year. I, in a way, I wish I had gone to the every other week uh, format a, a while back. <laughs> it, it, it's really helped me out. And uh, again, I, I really love hearing the different people talk about what they like too. So, uh, so that uh, is um, about enough about that, I guess. So what I was going to say about the weather uh, in Michigan and like a good part of the country this last week or two, we've had some pretty, really pretty hot weather. Uh, we've been in the, uh, you know, way upper 90s. Uh, I think my car, when I left work on Friday, just uh, a couple of days ago, it said 108. Now, you got to understand in Michigan, that is uh, unusual. <laughs> Now, after I got going for a while, usually when your car is, is sitting in a parking lot, it's going to be a little hotter even uh, underneath and things like that. But let's see, when I finally got moving on the road, it was saying about 102 out, which is, is crazy, crazy hot for, for Michigan. We get this kind of a, maybe once once or twice a summer, a heat wave like this. Uh, but it, it was hanging on for a while. We did get some storms, and today is our first nice day. We actually opened up the house. Uh, we don't tend to turn the air conditioning on a lot when it gets bad out. Uh, usually when you start getting into the mid-90s, though, since we have a two-story house, you got to do that. So uh, so we did have the air on for several days, and today we got to open it up. We're only supposed to be in the mid-80s today, so and it's a lot less humid, too. So that's going to be a nice change of pace. I'll probably go out and cut my grass later and things like that so uh so there's your weather and uh update <laughs> all right so uh lynn just had to take a little break there for a second lynn just got back from the store bought us a new uh furnace filter uh, always good to do that here's your uh your home uh report uh, when you're running uh, air conditioning or heat or, or your furnace in general uh always good every couple of months to you uh change your furnace filter makes it run more efficient keeps all the gunk out of the uh, air in the house as much as possible so uh and i felt a, i feel a little bit stuffy and congested today so sorry about that sometimes uh, i don't really have allergies but when i have uh when i'm living in air conditioning both at work and at home for for many days it starts to kind of make me uh i don't know a little more congested it's not i don't feel bad or anything i actually got a pretty good sleep last night and uh so um, anyway, let's move on to other than weather and how Rico's nose is doing. <laughs> this also this podcast I do want to warn might sound just a tad or a tiny bit different. It depends how good your ear is, and if there is going to be much of a difference. Please, if there is a good difference, or or I should say any kind of a difference you pick up on anything weird here in this podcast, please shoot me an email treksf at gmail .com, or post a comment on our Facebook page, uh, the Treks in Sci Fi group on Facebook or on the regular forum over at treksinsci-fi.com. The reason I'm mentioning that is I, I finally, after about four years, a little more than four years, I built a new PC last weekend, and I've been spending this last week uh, getting everything kind of moved over and settled in on it. Uh, yeah, I've been planning it out for a while. I may even have mentioned it on the podcast uh, previously uh, sometime or one of the previous podcasts at some point in time. Uh, I did this for a few reasons. It's a, it was a four-year-old PC, and of course, I, I need a, 
a good solid uh, current PC to both do a good job with the podcast and I want to start doing more video and video editing. And my old machine I was finding, even though I, I have done several uh, video podcasts with it, just took a long time to uh, to process the video. It would take hours and hours. I remember one show that I didn't, one video podcast I was working on late into the night on a Sunday. It didn't get up till like after midnight or whatever. Uh, you know, having a taking video processing and, and and you know creating the file for the show sometimes was you know a five six hour. Uh, pr- process on the old machine, you know, once not not just editing at all, but that's just okay. You've got the file already, and then you want to output the uh, the MP4 or whatever version or whatever way you you output it. It would take a long time to encode that. Uh, so the new machine, I haven't tried any video uh, editing yet on it, uh, although I'm going to try to do that soon, do some tests. But uh, so the new machine was was built with that in mind. I also want to play some more current games like Skyrim and things. I could the old machine I could handle it. I had upgraded the video card in the old machine, but it was time to just do basically cut, cut the cord and build pretty much a whole new machine. Uh, for those interested, I was going to do a little sideshow on my Attic of My Mind show, but I never got around to it. So I'll just kind of mention it here. What I did, I still might do something on there, but. I built basically, it's an i5, um, for those who are, are techies and no PC components, it's, uh, I'm going to put up some pictures on Flickr very soon, probably later today, uh, when I was building it, uh, I took a lot of pictures as I was putting it together, uh, and those you can find my Flickr page, just go to uh, treksandsci-fi.com, go to the main site, and I think there's some kind of a uh, media or, or video link, and you'll, you'll find it, uh, just hunt around in the menus. Anyway, the uh, it's an i5 Ivy Bridge processor, which is the newer Intel processors uh, that have uh, they're supposed to run a little bit faster, a little cooler, and just overall work better uh, than the previous version, which was called Sandy Bridge. That's the uh, chipset, and uh, it has eight gigs of RAM of DDR3 RAM. Uh, you could I could have gone to 16, but eight was plenty for now. Man, man uh, memory is cheap. I got eight gigs for like fifty bucks or something, and I bought pretty top of the line memory. Um, what else is main uh, main differences? I got a uh, an SSD drive. Yes, an SSD, a solid state, uh, you know, using flash memory uh, drive for my main drive. I, I bumped it up. I got a hundred and eighty gig uh, SSD drive. I was going to go one twenty, but for a little bit more, I got the one eighty. It's a Corsair. It's really nice. And it is fast. Windows boots up. Windows 7. Uh, I put Windows 7 64-bit professional on, and it boots super fast. I mean, it literally, you pretty much push the power button. It goes through a couple normal BIOS checks, and then Windows comes up. I mean, it's it's great. And it makes everything just run more efficiently and better on the machine when you have Windows installed on an SSD. I highly recommend it. Uh, they are not that expensive anymore. And as your system drive, it, it's it's great. And what are the other things? I got a 570 uh, NVIDIA EVGA made uh, video card, 570, which is kind of a middle-of-the-road card. It's nowhere near top of the line these days, but it's sufficient to do what I want to do with it, I think. Uh, And uh, I I guess a couple other things that I got that I really like, I I bought a really high-end Corsair power supply. You cannot scrimp uh, on the power supply, and I bought a pretty high-end deluxe forget the model number on it it's an asus uh motherboard i don't ever really scrimp on the motherboard or the power supply power supply the cool things about it is it's one that's modular all the cables plug in both to the power supply 
separately so you just plug in the cables you need rather than having that big mass of cables outside of a power supply. And then the, uh, the motherboard just has all kinds of great features. It, of course, has USB 3.0, which I don't even know if I have any USB 3.0 devices right now. I don't think I do. <laughs> um, but it's the faster USB connection that, that most devices from now on will be made uh, to use much faster a throughput. Uh, and, uh, and a nice case, uh, a cooler master. It's made by them which I've had very good luck with their cases before. I bought one previously. This one has some really nice drive bays on it. Uh, very, very nice put together, a lot of room inside, and some mega huge fans inside of it, which if you're not a techie or a PC guy very much, uh, a larger fan, uh, the, these fans, because they're larger, they move more volume of air, but they don't have to spin quite as hard. So in essence, basically, they, they cool better, and they also uh, will be quieter. The machine is, is really quiet. It's, it's still just a tad uh, more noise than I wanted, but it's a lot more quiet than my last machine. My last machine wasn't hugely, it wasn't super loud, but this one's really quiet. And I, I wanna get it to the point where it's nearly silent. silent. I, I almost put on a, a water-cooled um, uh, cooler for the for the main uh, processor for the main CPU and I still may add that on later uh, they're about 60 70 dollars these little uh, cooler units that are liquid and also have fans but the fans are in the back and and they are quiet and I'm probably talking way too much about this PC <laughs> but it has been pretty much all I've been doing this last week so I'm sorry if, if none of this interests the people listening to Trex and sci-fi maybe it does maybe you guys are interested but Anyway, uh, there are going to be pictures up on Flickr. I'll look for those, and I'm really enjoying it so far. The biggest pain that I've had so far is moving a lot of programs over uh, to the new machine, and uh, I very much hate how Chrome, Google Chrome handles password management. There are ways to sync things, uh, but it just didn't work right for me, and I ended up actually wiping out some of my old passwords on my old machine because of it. Uh, I got to get a program with LastPass or something like that to handle. I'm on a lot of forums uh, is one of the things and, and other passwords for like, you know, other things, you know, but it, a lot of it's, you know, sites like YouTube, Facebook, uh, Amazon, you know, the usual places and banking a little bit and, and junk like that. And you amount and after a while, uh, a, a lot of little passwords and I, I'm just getting sick of dealing with them. <laughs> so, uh, okay, enough about that. Let me take a short break. I'm going to come back with a brief review about Spider-Man, and then we'll ch chit-chat about a few other little things, and then I will get into the uh, TOS episode, Requiem for Methuselah. This is Pocketbook's Star Trek novelist Michael A. Martin warbling in your ear, and you're listening to Rico on Tricks and Sci-Fi. Okay, uh, Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man. I love the title, by the way. Uh, you know, The Amazing Spider-Man comic book, that's the, the main uh, Spider-Man comic that's been around for a very long time. That's the main title for it. So to have a movie called this rather than just Spider-Man, which was okay, too, I think that was a great idea. Uh, the, uh, the main uh, thrust of this movie is another kind of reboot origin story for Spider-Man along with a villain, of course, and, uh, uh, and a, a very well-done love story, too. Uh, the actors, um, let me see, let me back up a little bit. I saw the movie on Tuesday. Uh, it opened on a Tuesday, right before the 4th of July here in the States, 
which was a good move. They're going to get a long, long week, almost a full week, which they'll probably somehow call a weekend's gross for the movie. I don't know how uh, it's doing overall yet, but I did hear that on the opening day, even on a Tuesday, it it hit a record for a, a Tuesday opening, which probably is not hard to do considering like movies don't generally open on Tuesdays. So uh, that was a little bit of a trick they pulled off there. Um, anyway, the uh, the movie uh, stars Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. And uh, we've got Gwen Stacy played by Emma Stone. Uh, we got Martin Sheen in it, Sally Field who play uh, Uncle Ben and Aunt May. Uh, all this stuff you see in the previews you can read online. Uh, and, uh, and, and there's, uh, the villain, of course, you can see in the previews, um, that you heard a little bit, I think in the opening audio I played is the lizard or Kurt Connors, who's this, uh, scientist who is missing an arm and wants to regrow it basically. So he's working on these ways of combining animal, uh, DNA and, and genetics and traits with humans in order to, you know, hey, if a lizard can regrow a limb or a tail, uh, uh, sure, people could do that too, right? <laughs> and the lizard is a, is a cool idea for a villain, I think, because he is he's kind of like Spider-Man in a way a little bit. He, he has been mutated with another animal to a degree. Of course, he's not uh, quite as, 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 you know, when he's a lizard, he's not quite got all of his faculties like spider-man has his mental state's a little little unstable so sorry i had to take a little sip of tea but uh you know they they have uh, a lot in this movie for two hours and maybe 10 minutes long i think or so you got to do the origin then you have the the villain and everything like that uh a couple of just broad kind of things about this. I really enjoyed the Tobey Maguire movies. I thought they were really well done, especially the first two. But the there was something missing about... I've read Spider-Man in comics a long time, and there was kind of something missing about his character, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, that I never... I really never quite felt he was the same as the Peter Parker that I knew from reading the comics over the years. Peter Parker in uh, the comics he, he's probably my favorite most identified uh, with a superhero when I was growing up because he was kind of this loner he's a bit of an outsider he's a science geek he's not very good with the girls you know he gets kind of beat up in school and and all of that I could kind of identify with uh, to a degree uh, so uh, they really I think use that it happened in the Toby movies too but this this time, I think they do it a little bit better, and uh, and I think that that comes off a little bit more um, in a in a you know similar style to the comics, and, and it's just and it's also sort of modern, updated to a degree. You know, there's um, some little touches in this movie. You know, one thing you see in the previews, I think enough that I, it's not giving anything away, but. Spider-Man in the Tobey Maguire movies, they had decided to go with what they what they called organic web shooters, where basically Peter Parker, uh, once he was bitten by the spider, he could cast webs just uh, out of his wrists, you know, without uh, having any mechanical devices or web shooters. Now, that got a lot of controversy going at the time. I kind of lived with it and accepted it. It was okay, but... In the new movie, uh, Peter Parker builds web shooters. He builds mechanical web shooters. He doesn't shoot webs out of his own body. Uh, and it's, uh, I think that there's a, there's a couple things that there's a good reason for that. One is it shows that Peter Parker is, is very, very smart. He's a scientific genius, basically, or, or is slowly becoming one. 
and it shows his abilities and it makes what he does as Spider-Man because Spider-Man does have some gadgets over the years in the comics. He's kind of a little bit of the James Bond of superheroes. He he has little mini cameras and spider tracers and web shooters uh, and, and all little devices to help him do what he does rather than just his abilities. And so that comes into play in this movie. They, they show that, and I think that works pretty well. And the, uh, you know, the, the, it also shows that his, his natural kind of talent for, for solving little problems and tinkering and, and that. And it also relates to some, something that they bring out in this movie a little that they've never touched on before, and that's uh, dealing with uh, Peter's parents and how they, they disappeared when he was young and he and li- ends up living with his aunt and uncle. So uh, I don't, and again, I don't think any of this stuff is, is really giving anything away, but um, the uh, the movie though just overall is really good. I, I think the characters are great, and the actors doing a great job with with what they do in this movie. Especially uh, Andrew Garfield as Peter slash Spider Man and Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy is the love interest here, and and these two just really make the movie for me at least. I think they do great together. I think that actually I've heard that they're kind of dating in real life too, and it's very apparent that they have uh, just super chemistry in in this movie and it really shows and it helps a lot it really works i thought you know kirsten dunst uh, uh, you know as mary jane and and toby as peter were okay together uh, but they, there's something that really sparks between the two of uh, between gwen and peter in this movie and I, it's it's great I, I and and it's paced very well too i think they they don't try to cram too much in at the beginning they give you time to kind of get used to the characters and learn about them so uh, again, that's, you know, Spider-Man. Go see it. Uh, I I highly, highly recommend it. I enjoyed it just as much as uh, the Avengers movie this year. I think they did just a great job. Uh, I loved it, and I want to go see it again already. All right, let's shift over just a couple of quick Trek stories, and then we're going to talk about the TOS episode. Um, we don't got a lot. We don't got a lot more info on the Star Trek movie coming next year. <laughs> We've actually been having a little thread discussion in on the Treks and Sci-Fi forum about you know, hey, what's up? Well, how come how come they really haven't released much on the movie? Comic Con is is coming up this week. Uh, the the last report that I heard was that there wasn't really going to be much uh, Trek uh, presence from Bad Robot or J.J. Abrams and company at comic-con that there was talk a month or two ago they might have a little teaser for us there still could surprise us but they're saying the last i heard nope uh so we don't know the title of the movie we really don't know much about the story officially uh everyone still was thinking it's con but uh you know it it, it you know simon Pegg, mm-hmm. i think a while ago I reported on said it's not con that's not who uh benedict cumberbatch is playing although i still think it's going to be a eugenics human I still think it's going to be a genetically engineered human. I really do, uh, just from what the, the way it's looking. Uh, but uh, So there's not much on the movie to mention. Uh, it just very quiet. Uh, a couple other things related to Trek. Uh, make sure that you uh, get your tickets. Remember, TNG, a couple episodes, going to be at, in movie theaters on J- July is it the 22nd. It's two weeks from tomorrow. So is that the 22nd or the 23rd? I guess it's the 23rd, yeah. Uh, it'll be the Monday, uh, right before TNG, the first season, is released on Blu-ray on July 24th. So just check uh, wherever you buy movie tickets online. There's uh, links on the forum, links on the Facebook page up about how to get tickets for this. It's two episodes from season one along with a behind-the-scenes a Blu-ray look 
uh, in theaters for one night only on that day. Uh, what else? Uh, there is a new Doctor Who slash Next Gen comic. Issue 2 is out. I haven't read it yet. I have it, but I haven't read it yet. I, I should have done that before we recorded. But uh, And the last thing Trek-related uh, that I thought for the ladies uh, listening, uh, Her Universe, which has been doing a line of Star Trek, uh, sorry, Star Wars and other sci-fi properties, apparel for several years, run by Ashley Eckstein, who does uh, the voice of Ahsoka Tano on the Clone Wars series. That's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> Her Universe, if you just go to her, I think it's called heruniverse.com, they're doing a line of Star Trek apparel with uh, shirts and, and just some cool things for, for the ladies to wear who may like to show their love for Star Trek, or, or she has other things from Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, Doctor Who up for sale. I think she's officially releasing the Trek line of apparel at Comic-Con this week. So those you should be able to order pretty much just about any time now. So, so check that out. Um, looks like that uh, Galileo sold, that Galileo shuttle, the, the remnant of the Galileo from the TOS uh, episodes it was used in sold for 60,000 uh, to a group that is going to try to restore it for fans. Uh, so that's, that's cool news. 60,000 though, for the way that looked. Wow. Shoot. That's uh, I don't know. I, th- I think sometimes I think they could have just built a, a replica, a, a really good replica. <laughs> I mean, granted, yeah, it wouldn't have anything remaining from the original one, but I, again, I don't know how much they can save from that that thing. It, it is in bad shape. So get a little more tea. And um, I think that's all I really wanted to say. Uh, oh, there was one little other little story. Robert Picardo, of course, who was the hologram holographic doctor on Voyager. I guess he's kind of petitioning and, 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 and trying to beat the beat the drum for getting a cameo in the next Star Trek movie. I, don't, I think the next Star Trek movie is finished filming pretty much. I don't know if he means the one after that. Maybe he means that, but uh, I guess he's been kind of saying that he'd like to have a uh, have a, a cameo. Uh, Chris Pine has been popping up on talk shows. Uh, you know, of course, he plays Kirk in the new Trek movies. Uh, he has got a new movie out, uh, uh, just a drama that's out. Uh, something about he finds some long-lost sibling, I think. Um but uh, he, uh, this, uh, he's saying things like, you know, the, the action and, and story in this next movie. He says the Star Trek sequel has a better story even than the last one. It has some bold moves in it. So, uh, um, you know, hey, but what's the title of it? And, uh, you know, what, what's, what's going on? <laughs> it's like, so, uh, oh, and I got to check this one link. Sorry, I'll, I'm going to check this while we're recording here. Um, it looks like, uh, there is for those going to comic con, uh, I know Kenny, I think usually goes and I think there's somebody, a couple other people I know, um, looks like there is a panel at San Diego comic con related to the TNG Blu-rays. This is going to happen on Thursday, July the 11th between two and 3 PM. It's called before and after a behind the scenes, look at Star Trek, the next generation journey into high definition. Uh, this, I guess is obviously going to go over, uh, it's you know how they had they put Blu-rays or how they put the Blu-rays together for season one. It looks like the Akudas are going to be there. A guy named David S. Grant, who is vice president of multimedia at CBS. So a couple other CBS people. Remember that CBS owns the uh, 
the rights to track uh, uh, the television uh, rights and Paramount does the movies. Uh, looks like right now season one TNG Blu-ray is still holding around uh, almost $80 for whether you buy it at Walmart, Best Buy, or Amazon. It's about $78, uh, I want to get it, but I, I was really hoping it would drop a little bit more than that. It, the question is, is do I want to get it right when it comes out or do I want to wait a month or two and see if the price drops a little bit? Uh, Knowing me, I will probably buy this first one at least when it first comes out. Uh, but uh, anyway, okay, I got to wrap this up because we're a half hour in and I got to get to the main topic, which is a, a classic third season TOS episode, Requiem for Methuselah. And without any further ado, I'm going to plow right into it uh, with uh, a first clip. And then I will come back and talk more about this episode as we go through the clips that I've collected. So here's clip one from Requiem for Methuselah. Do not kill. I'm Captain James Kirk. I know who you are. I have monitored your ship since it entered this system. And if you know who we are, you know why we're here, Mr. Flint. You will leave my planet. Did you say your planet, sir? My retreat from the unpleasantness of life on Earth and the company of people. Mr. Flint, I have a sick crew up there. We can't possibly reach another planet in time. You can't refuse us the right talent. You're trespassing, Captain. We're in need. We'll pay for it, work for it, trade for it. You have nothing I want. But you have the right talent that we need. If necessary, we'll take it. If you do not leave voluntarily, I have the power to force you to leave or kill you where you stand. Okay, the uh, episode Requiem for Methuselah from season three of TOS is uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting episode for a lot of reasons. Actually, it's not generally been one of my favorite episodes. At least it was that way way back in the day when I first was watching Trek and Trek reruns. Uh, mostly because I was younger and didn't appreciate some of the elements I think that are in this episode. And I, as I get older, it's interesting. I I find myself appreciating it more, and and it's uh, it, it's I find it kind of odd or, or you know in a way just interesting again because I hate to keep using the word interesting because I sound like Spock. It's interesting, but the, the I think it's it's just that there's things in this episode that I think you can appreciate. As you get a little bit older, let's just say. Anyway, this episode, let me give you some background. Uh, after you've heard that first clip there where uh, Kirk, uh, McCoy, and Spock are down on this planet. Uh, basically, the planet uh, Holberg a 917G. Pretty weird name, I think. They're there to gather this substance called Ritalin uh, to... Uh, help the crew deal with this Rigelian fever plague that's that's sweeping through the which is basically like the 23rd century's version of the bubonic plague because it's it, it kills you like in a day or something so uh, not quite sure why the enterprise with something that dangerous possibly out there doesn't carry a supply of Ritalin aboard but we'll we'll go past that <laughs> um, the episode though was the 21st episode I think for season three. It first aired on February the 14th, 1969. The remastered version aired on June 21st, 2008. 
Uh, this is one of the last uh, TOS episodes out there, and I, again, I think it's a pretty good one. Although, like I said earlier in, in, in my life, when I first was watching it, it was one I would really kind of, eh, if that one was on, I wouldn't necessarily watch it again. Uh, it is written by Jerome Bixby, who is, who is a very well-known uh, author of science fiction and other things. Uh, I don't think he wrote any other Trek episodes. I'll have to double-check on that when I play another clip. Uh, it is directed by a guy named Murray Golden. Uh, again, this episode basically tells the tale of just the main uh, characters popping down to this planet to get this substance, and they run into this guy named Flint. The guest uh, cast here is very solid. There's mainly basically two uh, guest characters, guest actors aboard uh, or on uh, this episode. You have a guy named uh, James Daly is the actor playing Flint, and Louise Sorel is playing Reina Kopek. Kopek? Kopek? I, uh, I forget always how to say her last name. First name's even a little odd. There's an interesting story about her first name. Uh, Raina, R-A-Y-N-A. If you look at one of the releases, when they put TOS out on DVD, I think, for the first time, they actually, in, her, in the credits for this episode, they spelled her character's name wrong. In the credits, when they released it on DVD, it's, they spelled it R-E-E-N-A for Louise Louis Sorrell's uh, character's name of Raina. Uh, but they corrected it later for the remastered ones. Uh, it spelled it R-A-Y-N-A. I kind of like it much better, Raina, R-A-Y-N-A. It sounds and it more like, or it's spelled, it spelled more like it sounds. So so those are the two main uh, actors here. Very, very uh, experienced, uh, especially uh, James Daly here and, and Louise, uh, very, very good classical uh, theater trained actresses uh, for this episode and and Star Trek cast some pretty good guests aboard even in the TOS days and and of course the later series as well so that it was cast well uh, Louise Sorrell as Reina is is just beautiful and I think uh, one of uh, all you know definitely a, a love interest for Kirk here as we talk about the episode you'll know you'll see that and, and know that if you don't know the episode very well. Uh, but uh, probably one of the most beautiful of the TOS guest actresses that were on there. And there were a lot of them, uh, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, Kirk definitely, uh, you know, getting some action out there in the galaxy. <laughs> getting action. God, why, why, who, who talks like that? All right, let's, that's the premise. So they're there to get this right talent. They run into Flint, who's basically, you know, get off my planet. You don't belong here. Uh, you know, get out of my private uh, little paradise. And, uh, of course, Kirk being Kirk and insistent says, we need this, uh, you know, drug. You know, our, our crew is dying up there, and this is the only place we can get to in time. So uh, that is the premise, and Flint eventually acquiesces and says, well, okay, um, the uh, there's an, a robot uh, in this um, thing that uh, the uh, the robot is called M4, and I think it's kind of funny. It's like, you know, of course the Ultimate Computer had M5. Remember? I mean, they they really don't do a very good job at naming their their ro their computers, do they? Uh, in in the uh, 23rd century, I mean, it, although maybe that was intentional. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Perhaps that was intentional. 
related to uh, Dr. Daystrom and his M5 computer. M4 here is just a little robot floaty thing that looks uh, pretty much like Nomad from the episode The Changeling of TOS, which it actually is. The prop is a modified version of that. It's kind of upside down and a few other little doodads have been added to it, but it is the Nomad uh, robot that you saw in that episode, just kind of redressed. And TOS, because the budget was super limited in those days, especially by season three. So there are lots of instances of seeing uh, equipment and sets and dressing that they would use. Not salad dressing, but set dressing, you know, curtains and paintings and whatever else, chairs, that you'll see used time and time again. You can go through and find basically a handful of items in, in multiple episodes on multiple planets. So maybe they all shopped at the future Ikea together. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. So, uh, all right, let's play another clip here. This, I believe, is a little more description, kind of early in the episode, about the plague that's uh, uh, plaguing, literally, the Enterprise crew. Mr. Flint, if anything happens to us, four deaths. And then my crew comes down and takes that right down. An interesting test of power. Your enormous forces against mine. Who would win? Mr. Flint. Unless you are certain, I would suggest you refrain from a most useless experiment. We need only a few hours. Have you ever seen a victim of Virgilian fever? They die in one day. The effects are like bubonic plague. Constantinople, summer 1334. It marched through the streets, the sewers. It left the city by ox cart by sea to kill half of Europe. The rats rustling and squealing in the night as they too died. The rats. Are you a student of history, sir? I am. Yeah, so um, you start to pick up little hints that, that Flint has is, is been around for a while. Uh, he is a very knowledgeable about history. He also, when they get to his place, his, his home, he has this amazing collection of art and, and music and artifacts and different things that uh, show uh, a, a real uh, ex, you know, love and experience with, with human history. Uh, the, the title of this episode, let me give you a little uh, bit on that, uh, Requiem for Methuselah. It's, it's kind of a dual uh, allegory or illusion. Uh, requiem part of the the part of the title requiem uh, refers to um, in in a lot of religions Catholicism and others it, it, a re requiem is generally considered a mass for the dead uh, you know a ceremony or, a, or you know a religious ceremony a mass for the dead uh, and this in this case you know it, this relates to Flint is kind of an indication of him and also so does the second part in a way Methuselah. Uh, is a, a, a character from the Bible. Uh, he's actually the, the son of the prophet Enoch. He's also the paternal grandfather to Noah. And no, I don't know the Bible that well to know this stuff. I, these are notes. <laughs> so I, I've, you know, I do actually do some background work when I create uh, Treks in Sci-Fi and do a podcast. <laughs> so sorry, no, I don't know the Bible well enough to know that at the top of my... I knew Methuselah was a character in the Bible, but that's as far as it went. Uh, he was also supposed to be in the Bible, the longest living human, having lived like almost a thousand years. Uh, and uh, this is why 
you know, in, in different references and, and anything that you may be literature or, or books or, you know, other, uh, you know, literature books. Yes, obviously. TV movies. Methuselah is, is generally thought of as a, as a very long lived person. So that is sort of a background on the title. So Methuselah here is the Flint character. I like the name Flint. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's just like, and, and I looked around a little bit. I couldn't find any reference for why they chose that. It seems like a very weird name. I'm trying to find maybe maybe somebody out there listening knows or a reference of where they came up with the name Flint. Uh, is uh, I live in Michigan, and there's a town called Flint here. And, and Flint is a mineral, you know, that uh, is it a mineral or a rock or whatever. But, you know, you use iron and Flint, you know, you bang them together and make a spark. Uh, but, uh, you know, I couldn't quite figure out where they or why they decided on that name for him. Um, but, uh, there's, uh, you know, different elements here that, that come into play in the title of the story. And, uh, it's, uh, it's very interesting. I really like it. And, you know, a lot of titles for Star Trek episodes, uh, TOS, uh, you know, other series as well have very, uh, interesting meanings there's more to it uh you know i really like like getting into what the titles mean sometimes they don't mean a lot sometimes they're very straightforward sometimes they have interesting meanings like this episode so and especially since like i said i, I always had trouble saying this title <laughs> um but uh, and i still do requiem for methuselah come on so a mass for methuselah and i think it's time for another clip last i've seen other humans other men one is not human. The Vulcan. So that is a Vulcan. I would like to discuss subdimensional physics with him. You've taught me all you know in the area, and you say Vulcans no more. Even he is not your intellectual equal, nor mine. Let me meet them. They are selfish, brutal, a part of the human community which I rejected and from which I've shielded you. Soon they will be gone. Let me meet them. Yeah, so there we uh, meet the the character of Reina, played by Louise Sorel. Uh, she's, uh, I think, really good in this episode. A very, very does a great job at playing this sort of uh, slightly emotionless woman who who's slowly becoming more human and more in touch with her feelings, and that uh, through her meeting with uh, the Enterprise characters, especially Kirk, of course. And uh, I think that's uh, she does again a good job. She's actually uh, had a really long career, still, still acting from what I can tell. Done a lot of uh, 
soap opera type stuff uh, in recent years, especially on a show uh, Days of Our Lives has been on there for, for a number of years. I think she may not be on there anymore. At least it looks like she, the IMDb listing goes through 2011, uh, but she's done a lot. Uh, she did a lot of uh, episodic TV in the 70s and 80s, everything from a spot on The Incredible Hulk to Heart to Heart, Magnum P.I., Knott's Landing, Vegas, all those other great uh, Kojak uh uh, just a ton of stuff. She was even in the Barbary Coast, which is a an interesting thing because Barbary Coast was a short-lived TV series in the 70s that William Shatner was also in, uh, which I thought that was a cool show. I, I, it's uh, a lot of fun. I'd love to see those episodes again. Um, but she's yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff uh, over the years. Uh, James Daly, who plays Flint here, unfortunately, is no longer with us. He died back uh, way back in 1978. He actually died at the age of of uh, 59 he wasn't even 60 which is uh, kind of ironic since he plays a character in this episode of trek who lives pretty much forever looks like the last credit for him was in he was in roots the next generation uh but uh again i think the the guests here in this episode are are fantastic i think they really make the episode uh there's um a comment here from louise sorrell uh, playing Reyna, she says, you know, she did. She had a little trouble taking Star Trek seriously when she was playing this this part. She says they put me. This is a quote from her. She says they put me in this funny costume. I stood still and they just wrapped this this uh, fabric around me. I had this Annette Funicello bouffant and Dusty Springfield eye makeup. And James Daly and I thought of ourselves as these two very serious theater actors, and we kept looking at each other. Why on earth are we doing this? You know, doing this Star Trek episode. And eventually they just started saying, Christmas money, Christmas money. In other words, you know, getting a little extra money for Christmas. Uh, and then, uh, but she says, overall, though, Sorrel remembers the episode as very sweet. And she loved working with Shatner. She says, we had played lovers once before. Is that all Shatner does in <laughs> with attractive women when he plays uh, roles with them? Uh, but anyway, uh, so, you know, she has some nice things to say and she's also somebody that pops up at conventions. So keep an eye out for her. She's still out there. Uh, she's now like 70, 71, two looks like, uh, 71. So, um, but anyway, uh, just again, someone that's been around in the business for quite a long time and, uh, seems to have done very well for herself uh, in, in different roles. So let me play another uh, clip for you. I think the next one is probably the introduction of Reyna meeting up with the Enterprise characters, uh, and especially Captain Kirk. Gentlemen, may I present Reyna? I thought you lived alone. I meant there are no others besides my family. Dr. McCoy. Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock. I do hope we can find a moment to discuss field density and its relationship to gravity phenomena. Indeed. I would appreciate such a talk. It is an interest of mine. Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk? Rena. Her parents were killed in an accident while in my employ. Before dying, they placed their infant, Raina Kopek, in my custody. I have raised and educated her. With most impressive results, sir. What else interests you besides gravity phenomena, Raina? Everything. Less than that is betrayal of the intellect. The totality of the universe. 
all knowledge. Rayner possesses the equivalent of 17 university degrees in the sciences and arts. She is aware that the intellect is not all. But its cultivation must come first or the individual makes errors, wastes time in unprofitable pursuits. At her age, I rather enjoyed errors with no noticeable damage. But I must admit, you're the farthest thing from a bookworm I've ever seen. Flint is my teacher. You are the only other men I've ever seen. The misfortune of men everywhere. And our privilege. Yeah, I like it how uh, that scene when they first meet up, uh, McCoy is the one using some of his southern charm or trying to... Uh, with Raina and, and Kirk's just kind of looking at her like, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> that, you know, what, what was that kind of comment that I said there? But, uh, but yeah, they, they meet up with her and she's this attractive woman, obviously very smart. Uh, but, uh, you know, emotionally she's, she seems a little odd. And, uh, the, um, I listened recently to, uh, the anomaly uh, cast where they broke down the character of Data, and of course Data was an android, and, and we learn here pretty quickly and pretty soon that Reyna is also an android that was created by Flint to be his companion, and uh, the uh, you know there's parallels and things that are interesting here because this android, uh, you know, Star Trek in general has always dealt with you know machine intelligences and androids and robots and stuff like that, but. The, the thing they've always basically pointed out and said is that you, you can make something smart and make a machine smart, a computer smart, an android smart, and give them information and that. But the, the emotional elements that make uh, people human uh, is, is the tricky part, is the hard part to, to program in. And I, I sometimes find that that's kind of an interesting thing that they, they deal with in, in, um, in, in the way they take that on. And it's just kind of the thought of this i've been thinking about it a little bit like i said i listened to the anomaly show recently and and then the uh, this idea that <clears throat> excuse me it's the it's the emotion part that's that's a hard thing to program in and i kind of maintain in a way that emotion you know in programming it that wouldn't be difficult to do wouldn't be that hard to do you know you form a relationship you 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 see a person enough you would start to have things in common, talk to, and then you eventually become a friendship. And that's an emotional situation. Um, what I think that would be the hardest to actually program into a machine is the ability to uh, make imaginative leaps. In other words, take different elements like, <coughs> I'm sorry, I got to get some tea. But what I'm trying to say is the the ability to sort of think uh, independently and and creatively, I think, would be the hardest thing actually to uh, program into a machine. You know, and I'll give you an example. You know, there there there's a site called like Web WebMD that I think people use and look up things, illnesses, and that. And you know, a doctor has to basically do tests and, and look at you and examine you, and then and then come to you know, conclusions about what those tests mean and what, and it's probably not the best example, but, you know, and another example of it would be when Data was um, on TNG and he would do a painting, you know, and and that's a creative process. And, and whether he was just basically making something that was mimicking something else, some other painting, they never really pointed out specifically but i just think the creative process and being imaginative would be the hardest thing to program in it's also like in computer games these days the ai that they call or the artificial intelligence 
of a computer uh, is is still difficult to program and difficult to to predict you know and make them as good as a human as far as that goes you know like in strategy games and, and so forth and in a game like chess when people have played a chess game against a computer that's a different story because they can just program in all the variations and moves and and, and there are basically known outcomes that just comes down to playing the odds and, and that there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of imagination necessarily I think that has to go into that you can program all the infinite moves in and have the computer make the pick the best choice you know and and strategy and moves and things uh, I, I'm a fair chess player so I mean I understand kind of how the game works but uh, but anyway I, I kind of getting off into a little side tangent but I just thought it was an interesting point that they always seem to in Trek uh, point out that the emotions is the hard part and I I don't know I, I think that would definitely be not an easy thing to program in but I, I think some other things might be just as difficult so next clip something wrong yes there's something wrong the ritalin is no good it contains iridium nearly one part per thousand iridium will render the antitoxin inert and useless most unfortunate that it was not detected i should go with m4 to gather more ritalin and screen it myself you're welcome to join me doctor thank you time factor bones epidemic nearly two and a half hours i guess we got time to get in under the wire I've never seen anything like the speed of that robot. It'd take us twice as long to process that stuff. But would we have made the error? Jim, what if all the Ritalin on this planet contains Aurelium? Go with Flint to keep an eye on procedures. Like a hawk. Captain, something else which is rather extraordinary. This waltz I just played is by Johannes Brahms. Later, Spock. Captain, it is written in manuscript in original manuscript in Brahms' own hand, which I recognize. It is totally unknown, definitely the work of Brahms, and yet unknown. I think I will go to the laboratory. There may be a way of reversing the Aurelium's effect and saving the existing antitoxin. Stay here. Let me know when Flint and McCoy return. Yeah, so this, uh, you know, I think this basically the Flint is is stalling. He's trying to use Kirk and, and uh, the others to, to stimulate and, and give Raina her emotions, you know, to something to get her kind of jump started, I guess you could call it. Um, so the, the, he's, he's trying to keep the people there a little bit longer. Uh, there's also an interesting reference to this episode slightly in, in the fourth season uh, episode of Voyager called Concerning Flight, where remember when Janeway would go to the holodeck and, and deal with and talk to Leonardo da Vinci. And there's an, a little line she uses or says in that episode where she says that Captain Kirk claims to have met Leonardo da Vinci. And that's an interesting thing related to that because of what happens towards the end of this episode, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, but um, yeah, there's. Um, I just thought that was interesting that they, they I like it when they would slide in little comments like that in other Trek shows related to other series, like the original series and that, uh, especially when they started to deal with the mirror universe in in, um, in Trek, they, they re definitely referred back to the TOS mirror universe episodes. 
or episodes, I should say. Um, time for another clip, and I think this gives us starts to give us some more in, info on Flint and what's he what he's all about, uh, and and we learn a lot here. I think in this one. I don't like the way he orders her around. Since we are dependent on Mr. Flint for the right talent, Captain, I respectfully suggest that you pay less attention to the young lady if you should encounter her again. Our host's interests do not appear to be confined to art and science. He loves her? Strongly indicated. Jealousy. Yes, that would explain the attack, but he seemed to want us together, the billiard game. He suggested we dance. It does appear to defy the male logic, as I understand it. Kirk Enterprise, Mr. Scott. Aye, Captain. Report on the Rogelian fever. Nearly everybody aboard has got it, Captain. We're working a skeleton crew and waiting for the right talent. Just a little while. Scotty. Report on the computer search. There's no report on Mr. Flint. He doesn't seem to have any past. The planet was purchased 30 years ago by a Mr. Brack, a wealthy financier and recluse. Run a computer check on Raina Kopek. Status legal ward after the death of her parents. Aye, sir. Kirk outs, Mr. Scott. We have still a greater mystery, Captain. I was able to run a tricorder scan on Mr. Flint. He is human. But there are certain biophysical peculiarities. Some body function readings are disproportionate. For one thing, extreme age is indicated on the order of 6,000 years. Can you confirm that, Mr. Spock? I shall program the readings through Dr. McCoy's medical computer when we return to the ship. Time factor. We must commence Ritalin injections within two hours and 18 minutes, or the epidemic will prove fatal to us all. It's keeping the processing this time. The delay may be deliberate. It's as he's keeping us here for some reason. Yeah, so Flint is obviously uh, up to something, keeping them there, messing with the Ritalin and all that. And uh, one thing that I felt that this episode they, they could have played up a little bit more that they didn't really would be to um, to perhaps have a quick showing of what's going on with the plague and the Enterprise. I know they wanted to keep the focus on the planet, but and and McCoy and, and the rest of them talk about how deadly this is, but the the idea that maybe a couple of crewmen have died or you know or, or show some of that uh, would have been maybe a little more dramatic and, and and I think they they remain just a little too calm throughout it all a little bit on the planet and uh, nothing terrible but they're cutting it pretty fine you know when they keep saying they only have a couple of hours to to basically keep everyone aboard the enterprise from dying uh, you know uh, and and there is also never a mention of that it seems kirk spock and mccoy uh that they're infected too they were up in the enterprise and they just come down to this planet and wouldn't they be affecting and infecting anyone on the planet like Raina and and Flint when they meet them? And they don't really ever comment or mention anything related to that. Like Kirk could have said it at the first part, like, "Hey, uh, you need to get us the right talent because you guys are infected too because we're down here." I mean, I, I guess it transmits that easily. They they don't really get into the details, but some of that stuff I think they could have used a little bit more than they did. 
especially considering how how nasty this this uh, Rigelian uh, fever thing is supposed to be. So, uh, next clip. Uh, this is when we finally discover, I think, the the idea that that Flint has been tinkering and has created this this group of androids, these Reinas, these previous ones, and, and the current one uh, is, is obviously they learn is an android because they find a little lab area where there's the uh, previous uh, Reinas, uh, you know, laying on these uh, tables. Captain's log, stardate 5843.8. We have accomplished our mission and have the right talent ready to combat the epidemic aboard the Enterprise. But we have also discovered our benefactor's secret. He has created the perfect woman. Her only flaw, she's not human. Physically human, but not human. These are earlier versions of Reyna, Jim. She's an android. Created here by my hand. Here, the centuries of loneliness were to end. Your collection of Leonardo da Vinci masterpieces, Mr. Flint. They appear to have been recently painted on contemporary canvas with contemporary materials. And on your piano, a waltz by Johannes Brahms an unknown work in manuscript, written in modern ink, yet absolutely authentic, as are your paintings. I am Brahms. And Da Vinci. Yes. How many other names shall we call you? Solomon, Alexander, Lazarus, Methuselah, Merlin, Abramson, a hundred other names you do not know. You were born? In that region of Earth later called Mesopotamia, in the year 3834 BC, as the millennia are reckoned. I was Akarin, a soldier, a bully, and a fool. I fell in battle, pierced to the heart and did not die. Instant tissue regeneration, coupled with some perfect form of biological renewal. You learn that you're immortal. And, and to conceal it, to live some portion of a life, to pretend to age and then move on before my nature was suspected. Your wealth and your intellect are the product of centuries of acquisition. You knew the greatest minds in history. Galileo, Socrates, Moses. I have married a hundred times, Captain. Selected, loved, cherished, caressed a smoothness, inhaled a brief fragrance. Then, age, death, the taste of dust. Do you understand? You wanted a perfect, ultimate woman, as brilliant, as immortal as yourself. So uh, yeah, so Flint uh, has obviously been working to to create uh, you know a perfect companion for himself for years and years. He lived you know in various times and places. You know he he would find someone, fall in love. They would grow older and die, and he'd have to move on. And I, I can understand that to being a very hard thing. And and I I think you know the. The loneliness involved with that would be would be pretty 
pretty intense and not just loneliness but just the loss each time you know it's uh dealing with loss and emotional you know you would think he'd almost become like kind of give up or become emotionally detached eventually and just kind of say nope uh, I'm just not going to do it anymore and give up uh, but he doesn't even after hundreds and thousands of years that he, that he goes through one of the things that I find is interesting in this episode is you know if you could live this kind of life this long I should say if you could live you know, hundreds of years and into the thousands. So what, what does he say? I think he's five, 6,000, 6,000 years he's, he's been around. You know, what kind of person would you end up? I mean, even if you're lucky, you know, if you live 80, 90, 100 years, that's nothing compared to what this guy's. This guy's lived, what, like six, 50 times that, 60 times that amount uh, and, and everything that you'd be able to experience and do. What kind of a what kind of a person would you end up being at that point? You know, keep in mind, you would keep all of your faculties. You know, Flint isn't like senile or anything like that. He's he's just a lonely guy who's been around for a long time. But I just think it was, it, it's very interesting, you know, how you, what you, what kind of a person would you become? Would you become smarter and, and would you be better? Or would eventually you just become kind of like, you can't die. Would you just become a, a a crazy person? Would you just do reckless, crazy things? I don't know. I just find it in you know a cool idea. And I know there's been a lot of novels and books written about things like this. Uh, and uh, I'm watching the current season of True Blood, and you know it's a vampire show, and and there are people that are kind of like, oh, it's just another vampire thing. But there's a one of the interesting things that they, they they sort of come out in that show occasionally is the vampires you know of course live a long time and on the show there are some that have only been around you know a, a hundred years or a couple hundred years and then there are some that have been around you know a thousand or more years and they definitely act and, and and are a little different kind of people and that could just be their sort of their personalities to begin with but it also could be just be living that long gives you a different kind of perspective. So it's a kind of a fascinating topic to think about. So, and uh, and that they don't, you know, in a in an hour long Star Trek TOS episode, they can't play up all of that. But they do go into it a little bit. I mean, the fact that Flint was all these famous people and become became this, you know, expert at so many things that are artistic endeavors like writing music and painting and, and invention like Da Vinci did and things. Uh, I think is a very cool idea, you know, that he was the ultimate Renaissance man. So um, a couple of, uh, more clips to go. What this slowly turns into at the end is is Reyna, you know, finds out she's she's uh, an android. And, and both Kirk and Flint are, are Flint, of course, and Kirk very quickly in a short period of time falls in love with Reyna. And, uh, and they kind of start to actually physically fight over her and, and each other. And it, and it it causes this next clip that you'll you'll hear and it causes Raina to sort of in a way uh, short circuit and kind of break down because she just has trouble dealing with all these new feelings that that start to come into play so listen to this we are mated captain alike immortal you must forget your feelings in this matter which is quite impossible for you impossible impossible from the beginning you used me She loves me. Oh. Captain, your 
primitive impulses will not alter the circumstances. Stay out of this. We're fighting over a woman. No, you're not. For she is not. to do I choose I choose Raina no do not order me no one can order me she's human down to the last blood cell, she's human. Down to the last thought, hope, aspiration, emotion, she's human. But the human spirit is free. You have no power of ownership. She's free to do as she wishes. Gentlemen, I urge you to stop. There is a danger. No man beats me. I don't want to beat you. This is no test of power. Reina belongs to herself, and she claims the human right of choice to be as she wills, to do as she wills, to think as she wills. That's what I've worked for. Reina, come with me. Stay. I was not human. No. I love. I love. adjust to the awful power and contradictions of her newfound emotions. She could not bear to hurt either of you. The joys of love made her human, and the agonies of love destroyed her. Yeah, so, you know, Flint's plan kind of worked a little too well, you know, putting her and, and the, the, these characters together, especially her and Kirk, you know, stimulated her her emotions and brought those out and and she couldn't 
she just basically couldn't deal with them and and it and it pretty much destroyed her killed her whatever you want to call it shut her down shut the uh her body and 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 mind down and you know whether flint would be able to go on and and bring her back or create a new version that was more capable uh who knows what would ever happen um the i find it interesting that spock does a lot of the uh, you know he he disseminates this info on, on what's going on and it's a lot of emotional type things it's spock that really says it and you know here he's this half human half vulcan you know pretty much emotionally suppressed a <laughs> person but he can see what's going on here and it's it's a pretty sad little scene and moment i think because of you know kirk has really fallen for her and uh and of course flint is in love with her too and and that she just dies because of what he you know the two of them what they've you know he she couldn't choose between them and and, and it, she just can't bear that and it, I think it's interesting the and I've used that word way too many times sorry that I keep saying interesting but it is the I was thinking about the fact that over the years you know as you grow up as you're a kid and somebody was talking about this on a podcast I think they were talking about it actually on the data show on the anomaly episode so it's it's really kind of appropriate that I listened to that just this past week and, and now I'm doing this episode because they talk about how Data, you know, remember when he gets the emotion chip, he, he has trouble dealing with that. And he can't handle it very well in the when he gets it in the movies, especially, and he has to kind of like turn it on, shut it off. He can actually click it on and click it off. And, and because he's just not capable, we as humans, we grow up, you know, we're kids, we're a little crazier, a little wilder. We can't deal with our emotions. You know, we laugh, we cry easier, you know, all those kind of little things. We're much more easily hurt by words that people say to us. And as you get older, you 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 put up these sort of shields and barriers and and put controls in place in order to be able to handle situations. But I think it's it's not just that. It's the life experience. The things that we experience allow us to both, you know, intellectually if you get enough intelligence, I think behind it, I think you can control your emotions. In other words, when people, when you're on the, you know, in grade school and they're calling you names or picking on you, you know that really can't hurt you. And 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 w- one way, you know, to turn that around usually is to just not let them see it affect you. And and we learn that over the years. And Reina here just never had a chance to really go through that, you know, growing up period and and learning. And she actually probably would have been better off if 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 he could create an android that actually would grow and then surround her with humans that slowly over time she would be you know more human more emotional and able to control it i also thought the same thing with data that over time with humans and they sort of did this in tng you know they they they, by giving him just a flat out emotion chip like turn it on turn it off i just thought data became more human as time went on in in through his learning process that dr soong had had you know, there, it's it's basically like a learning al- algorithm that he's built with. That as he experiences more time with people, and and what they do, he can become more human and more emotional, and so forth. So, there's my analysis. One last clip here, which is kind of a sweet moment at the end with uh, the main characters, especially between Spock and Kirk, and how he helps Kirk deal with the loss of of Reyna. The Enterprise is on course five one three mark seven as you ordered. Very old and lonely man. And a young 
and lonely man. We put on a pretty poor show, didn't we? Only I could forget. Jim. Sleeping at last. Your report, Doctor. Oh, those uh, tricorder readings on Mr. Flint have finally correlated. He's dying. See, Flint leaving Earth with all of its complex fields within which he was formed, sacrificed immortality. He'll live the remainder of a normal lifespan, then die. On that day, I shall mourn. Does he know? Yes, I told him myself he intends to devote the remainder of his years and great abilities to the improvement of the human condition. And who knows what he might come up with. Indeed. Well, I guess that's all I can tell Jim later on. You can. Considering his opponent's longevity, truly an eternal triangle. You wouldn't understand that, would you, Spock? You see, I feel sorrier for you than I do for him. Because you'll never know the things that love can drive a man to. The ecstasies, the miseries, the broken rules, the desperate chances, the glorious failures, the glorious victories. All of these things you'll never know simply because the word love isn't written into your book. Good night, Spock. Good night, Doctor. I do wish he could forget her. So there we have it. At the end, uh, there's the scene where uh, Spock is there, McCoy has left, and Kirk has put his head down on his desk, and he says, if only I could forget. And Spock, uh, as, after McCoy leaves, Spock slowly walks over to Kirk and, and places his hand sort of in a mind melt kind of way on, on Kirk's face, and he, and he just says the simple word, forget. So the idea here is that he, he, he makes or allows Kirk to forget about Reyna, I'm not sure that necessarily lets him forget about the whole encounter, uh, but he definitely helps him with the loss of Raina and forget her. I, I kind of have mixed feelings about that idea, you know. That I, I keep thinking of the Star Trek V motion picture uh, part where, you know, Cybok is, is taking away everyone's pain, their, their problems, things that have gone on in their lives that weren't that great. And Kirk has the line, you know, uh, he doesn't want Cybok to do that to him. He's like, I need my pain. You know, it's basically what makes him who he is. You know, like with Edith Keeler, for example, from the classic, you know, my favorite episode of TOS, City on the Edge of Forever, 
you know, he has to let this woman he loves. And at least in that episode, Kirk spent some time getting to know Edith Keeler and falls in love with her over a course of time in the past with him and Spock. And, and, and Spock doesn't really make him forget that. And here he meets Raina for a couple of hours and he does it here. Eh, it's okay. I don't mind it. I, I think it's a nice touching moment for Spock to do that. Uh, an interesting point about this is that in, in one of the ideas for this episode, Spock was going to do that um, from a distance. He was going to be sitting on the bridge and somehow he's, he was going to, you know, say forget thinking about Kirk that he could project and, and do that at a distance. But I don't think that would have really worked. They've never really... Spock's had some done some things like that in a few episodes, but I think it's more appropriate that he does it close up like this in, the, in what you see here. So so that's it. I think it's a cool episode, very different, and, and, and one of the better episodes, I think, towards the end of Season 3, especially I appreciate it now, like I said earlier, uh, as I'm a little bit older. So uh, we have some comments, uh, which is great. I, I love getting those. Hope you guys can send them in in the future for other things that we do. I always post a schedule ahead of time and try to talk about it so you know what's coming up. But Rick Moyer sent in some comments about this episode, so I'm going to play those for you right now, and I'll come back and wrap up today's show afterwards. Hey, Rico. It's Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington. Moyer777 on the forums. I have to apologize for not doing any um, parody songs lately. My business, uh, my voiceover stuff, has really taken off, and I've been doing voices for video games and uh, audio dramas and doing music for video games and stuff. So uh, I've been very, very busy with lots of different projects, which is good for me because it means my business is picking up and I'm able to do all sorts of fun stuff like that. Even got to do some alien voices for a video game coming up, which I will be sharing with you. Everybody will love it. It's so cool. But anyway, on to this episode. I love the episode that you covered today on the podcast. Requiem for Methuselah. One of my all-time favorite original series episodes, and for a lot of different reasons. Not only did I enjoy the amazing hardcore science fiction element of the whole thing, but you can't go wrong when you do androids and robots. It's just so darn cool. <laughs> So I just I just really dug it. I liked the little floating robot. I thought he was cool. I thought that Flint was an amazing character. And when the, the twist, when Spock was playing the piano and he realizes that the music is Brahms but never been published, and when he looks at the Da Vinci paintings and he realizes they've never been seen before, and he, he starts putting it all together, and then we realize that Flint is really old and hasn't died. It is just the coolest twist. And then from there, you know, you just, you get sunk into the story and it's awesome. I just love it. And uh, of course the ending was just spectacular and uh, just the whole, you know, it had everything in it. It had romance and it had uh, the whole... Con conflicting thing that happens when a robot is faced or an android is faced with a dilemma that it can't solve because it's not human all that jazz so anyway great episode this one now believe it or not gets five out of five stars for me it's one of the best episodes i think they put out i've always liked it really enjoyed it when they did the remastering of it and we got to see more of flint's uh, palace 
and home um, with the paintings and stuff and the special effects that they did that to enhance it much better. So anyway, there you go. Love the show. Love the podcast. Rico, you rock. And I love Treks and Sci-Fi. All right, everybody. Have a great day. This is Rick Moyer, Moyer777 on the forum, signing off. Rick, thanks so much for your comments on Requiem for Methuselah. Yeah, you're, I, I knew it was one of your favorite episodes, and uh, I'm glad you sent in some comments and had time, and I'm uh, real happy that your business is going well. Don't No worries about uh, sending in parody songs. You've done such a, a, a great number of them in the past. Maybe I'll even try to slip one in at the end of the episode uh, today at the end of the podcast, one of uh, – one of your uh, parodies at, over at StarTrekParodies.com. So, um, yeah, it, it is a good episode. I, like I said earlier, I, I've, I've grown to appreciate it myself more over the years. And uh, what I was going to say, oh, yeah, the related to your last thing about the enhanced, uh, I didn't mention that. I forgot to. But, of course, this episode, like all TOS, was enhanced a little bit when they released it for Blu-ray. And they have do, do have some uh, very cool new images for like a Flint's home, which uh, originally they just reused the matte painting that they had used way back in the first episode, the the cage pilot in the menagerie that was, um, I think, supposed to be the planet Rigel 7 or whatever. I think it was Rigel something, which which where uh, Pike was fighting that big guy and uh, runs into Vina there. Uh, that uh, they reused it in the original version of this episode, but they redid the the version or the painting for uh, and the look for Flint's home. Uh, very spectacular and some cool effects they added for this episode. So thanks so much again, Rick, for your comments that you sent in. I, I very much appreciate it. Glad you liked the episode and uh, thanks for calling or, or audio commenting. <laughs> Not calling. Who calls anymore? Everyone creates little audio comments on their on their phones or their computers and, and emails them to treksf at gmail.com, right? Okay, let us talk about the upcoming schedule for Treks and Sci-Fi, and then I'm going to let everyone go, and uh, I'm going to go cut my grass. So upcoming on Treks in Sci-Fi, yes, we have, uh, let's see, next week um, we've got Dave uh, Dave Kill, Dave from, uh, Kill from the forums is going to look at the, uh, I think it's mostly the movie he's covering, uh, Starship Troopers is what he's going to be covering that movie from. When was that? The late 90s, I believe? I think? Yeah. Uh, and then on the 22nd, two weeks when I'm back, I'm going to do this movie music grab bag show that I'm talking about where I'm just going to play some different movie um, soundtrack music and maybe some songs for some movies that I enjoy. Just kind of a fun little show, something a little different. And then on the end of July, on the 29th, that weekend, I... Uh, Chris and Brian are going to be teaming up uh, looking at Dune, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun, and they're actually going to be covering the novel, the movie, and the miniseries. Uh, Not very, of course, won't be able to do every little aspect of it, but just a nice overview of everything. So, And then in early August, you are going to get a new team uh, covering, this is going to be uh, Don Ricardo, I think is his name, Don and his son Aaron, are going to be covering uh, the Logan's Run movie. And I know uh, uh, there are some definitely Logan's Run fans uh, on the forum. Brian, yes, I'm talking to you. Brian, who has the whole, you know, you know, just whole Logan outfit and, and complete with working flame gun, yes. 
<laughs> so, Brian, if you want to pass in some comments about Logan's run, I'll get them to those guys, and uh, I'm sure you would love to say something, and they're going to cover that uh, coming up in early August. don't have an exact weekend yet, but sometime in the early part of August for that. So that's what's coming up on Treks and Sci-Fi. Please visit the Facebook page, a Facebook group. Uh, there are links to that on the main treksandsci-fi.com webpage. Also, if you're not a forum member, feel free to join the forum too. Hopefully we'll get forum members. I don't want everyone just running over to Facebook now and, and hanging out over there, even though that's fun too. Uh, do both. You know, you can do both in these days. Just, just have them both little browser tabs open and click on the forum and click on the Facebook page or whatever. Also, uh, donations for the show, always welcome, and links to that. Uh, and iTunes reviews, always great to get those. All that stuff, just go to treksandsci-fi.com, and you can learn all about where to do all those things. And I try to post a couple of articles on Star Trek and other things each week there, too. So uh, thanks, everyone, so much for listening. I hope uh, you had a good 4th of July for those my friends in the United States. It's been way too noisy here. In Michigan, they passed a new law. And I think I've said this maybe in the last week or two uh, or the last time I did a podcast where you were able to buy and uh, sell and buy uh, the big, big fireworks, noisy fireworks here in uh, Michigan. So this year, the 4th of July was pretty noisy. Kaylee was not very happy. And we're still having fireworks a little bit each night. It seems like people still have stuff to blow up. So, And I used to be a big firework and kind of a little bit of a pyromaniac when I was younger, but not so much anymore. I don't know. I just, I just not into it. I used to do a lot of things I don't really care for as much anymore. I used to like gambling, you know, I, I've gone to a couple of casinos, but man, when you blow a few bucks and you work hard for your money and, and you see like 50 bucks bang gone in like three seconds, you just kind of stop doing that. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't very much fun. I still like to get together, you know, play poker with friends occasionally, but you know, for, for like $5 for the whole night of playing some fun card games, but, but going to a casino. So there's things you stop really enjoying after a while, but other stuff that you start to enjoy, like doing podcasts. So, uh, take care everybody. Hey, have a great uh, couple of weeks. I'll talk to you in two weeks. Again, next week will be Dave, uh, here with Starship Troopers. And I know that's going to be great. And I'm looking forward to listening to it myself. So take care. And this is Rico for Trex and Sci-Fi signing off now. Bye-bye. What kind of combat training do you have? Fancy.
This has been a Rick Dusty podcast production. 